So at the end of a year, uh, my wife and I have this uh, routine that we reflect. We like to reflect. Uh, we got together with some friends that are uh, part of our A2 community, and we did some reflection this together this past Friday. It was fun to do that. And uh, one of the things I, I like to reflect is because as I reflect, it's really what I know for what I need ahead of me. And, uh, and here's the hard thing is maybe you're not this way, but it's more me. Sometimes I reflect and I go, you know what? I should have known better. Just be honest. I'm hard headed. And, 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 and everybody around me is like, I told you so, but you never want to hear that, do you? <laughs> and let me ask you this. What if you could learn something and, and what if you have learned something that would prepare you for next year? What if you could learn something and, 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 what, or, and, and, and when you learned it, you knew that it would help you or equip you to go through something or do something in the days to come? How would you then apply yourself to learning? How would you apply yourself to acquiring and how prudent would you be to acquire the knowledge you need and seeking that instruction and advice if you knew that the advice you were seeking was going to prepare you for the future? Unfortunately, if you're like me, many of us, uh, we don't seek advice until after we go through the difficulty. After we made the mistake, after we made the choice that we then regret, then we, oh yeah, I should have sought advice or I should have looked to scripture or whatever the case may be. Proverbs 19 is a, verses 20 and 21 are, is a proverb that is very meaningful in my life. It's something I truly believe and it's something that I've seen in my life over and over again and I've observed in the lives of others over and over again. Um, and I believe 21 is actually connected to 20. In, in many of the Proverbs, stand, they stand alone. They're not interlinked, the, the, the different the verses. But I believe these are two linked together. And, and Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, Get all the advice and instruction that you can. Get it all. Get as much as you can. Bring it into your mind into, into your, and, and know this so that this will happen. Not that... Things will go well for you. Not that because if you get all the knowledge, you can control the future. Because how many of you figured that you cannot control the future as you try to control 2023? Okay? You can't control 2024 just like you couldn't control 2023. But get all the advice you can. This is the wise leader sharing this with the nation of Israel. Get all the instruction you can. So that you will be wise, look at this, the rest of your life. So that you'll be wise. Not that you can control things, but you can be wise when life is out of your control. And then it says in verse 21, so if you guys can go back to verse 21 for me. Look at this, look at verse 21. You can make many plans. You can make all the plans you want. But it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Can I just tell you something, guys? I don't care how prudent you are. I don't care how proactive you are. I don't care how detailed you are in your planning and your calendar. And you might have all of 2024 for some of you planned out. It's not your plan that's most important. It's God's plan. 
And this is the thing I've learned over time. God always is preparing his people for his plan. He's already led you into what you need to know to face, and he's led you into the instruction you need, the truth you need to hold on to, so that when you face the uncertainty of 2024, you will know what you need to face that uncertainty. So I pray that you get all the instruction and advice you can because God's truth will give you the wisdom you need for 2024. And this is it. God leads us into his truth. I believe this to the core of me. God leads you into his truth to give you the wisdom for the days to come. God's truth that we've learned over this year is what's going to lead us into the future. And what God teaches us and equips us for, and what God teaches us is what equips us for the future. He has always done this. He has always prepared his people if we're listening, if we're in tune. And so today we're going to reflect forward. We're going to look back at what we've learned as a corporate church family by looking at the series Big Ideas. And so that's what your notes are, the series Big Ideas that we've looked at. Because I truly believe this to the core of me. God has led us through this as a church family because he wants to equip us as a church family for his plan that will prevail. And we can lay our plans aside and say, God, we want what you want for us and we're going to learn and we're going to be prepared for this. And so as we do this, we want to look through this. and, And as we do this, I want you to posture yourself in a way that you can... At the end of this, we can pray for one another. So we're going to pray for one another that that we can be prepared for what the future may hold. And as we look back, God's truth will prepare us for the future. And so today, as you reflect, as we go through this, there may be some uh, series big ideas that, yeah, you know what? I need to remember that. Or the Holy Spirit might say, yeah, that's you, okay? You need to, this is what I want you to, I just want you to mark however many of those you feel like, man, this is kind of meaningful to me, or I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to, to just be aware of this. I just want you to mark it down on your piece of paper. Now, this year, at the beginning of this year, we began this year addressing one of the biggest concerns in our church family and one of the biggest concerns in our culture, which is our emotional health. And we started uh, a series where we looked at this idea that we cannot become spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. That your emotional health is connected to your spiritual maturity. So we talked about becoming emotionally healthy. And what did that look like? And this was our series big idea for that. That spiritual maturity is having a healthy relationship with God, a healthy relationship with yourself, and a healthy relationship with others. We identified that emotional health is is measured by your ability to manage what you think, manage what you feel, manage what you say and what you do, regardless of what happens to you. We learned that in order to be emotionally healthy, there are some practices that we need to put into play. Like we need to prioritize being with God before doing for God. And we get so caught up in doing, doing, doing that we forget about being And you can't be emotionally healthy, you can't be spiritually mature if you're caught up in doing and you forget about being with God. We also talked about that that in order to be spiritually mature, we got to follow the crucified Jesus, not the Americanized Jesus. That was a fun teaching. Maybe you weren't here in one of these uh, teachings, and and this might be something that that you can, can, can explore more. We also learned in that series that we need to be content and not resent our God given limits. 
We understood that the mark of spiritual maturity is how we love others. And here's the mark of the spiritual maturity. It's not how much you know. It's not how much Bible you can quote. It's not what you do. In the essence of people look at me, it's how you love others the way God through Christ has loved you. That regardless of what has happened to you and what people say about you or what people do to you, that you can love them. You want to be spiritually mature? You love them the way God through Christ has loved you. And in order to do this, we also realize to be spiritually mature, we've got to embrace grief. And we need to embrace it, not avoid it, because there's a treasure buried beneath it. It's a treasure of God's grace in our grief. And we can break the powers of our past we learned. And we can lean on God's strength and be okay with our weaknesses. And then we took a journey through the gospel of Luke. Maybe you remember that. We went together. We did this with partner churches in Leavenworth County. We did this with churches around the world. We called it one. And we're going to do that again this year. In fact, um, the, many of the groups we're going to launch during our group link uh, on uh, March uh, on uh, January 28th, many of those are going to be around this book of Matthew. And we, this year, are going to be partnering with churches again in Leavenworth County, churches in uh, the Kansas City metro and around the world. We're going to go through the book of Matthew looking at Jesus as the Messiah. We're going to do that this year. Last year, we looked at the book of Mark, I mean Luke, and looked how Jesus was a storyteller. And we learned this, that Jesus told stories that are keys to the kingdom of God. And as we looked at this this past year, we learned some keys that are important, that these stories that, that revealed some important keys that you need to realize about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that Jesus would say is the good news, that this is the good news that Jesus taught about, the kingdom that, that he came to establish. And this is some of the, these are just a couple of the keys that we learned. That Jesus' kingdom, this was one key. You need to know this about God's kingdom. It's, God's kingdom is favor, it's freedom, it's, it's peace, and it's healing, and it's justice. This is the kingdom of God. And we learned that the kingdom of God is made up of people who have been loved much and who love much. We understood that in the kingdom of God, the kingdom people of God realize that everything they are and everything they have it comes from God, who is king, belongs to him because he's the king. And it's our responsibility to steward everything we have and everything we are to honor the king. We also learned that in God's kingdom, God's merciful to the humble. And he humbles the prideful. We learn about his kingdom that we're not supposed to miss his kingdom. And he warns us not to miss his kingdom And he compels us to reach the lost because his kingdom is for the lost. And it's a kingdom that he wants them to receive because that's what God's kingdom is. God's kingdom is to be received and God's kingdom is to be lived out. But in order to be about God's kingdom, we gotta we can't be we can't receive God's kingdom when we're all distracted. And we're all caught up in the busyness and the worry and, and, the, and, the, and the noise of life. And then we, we went through a series where we learned about Jesus' unforced rhythms of life. This was a series where we talked about we need to eliminate hurry. You want to experience the power of the kingdom. You want to experience the good news of the kingdom. You need to eliminate hurry. And this has been something that I've been working on in my life for several years now. Since I read this quote by Dallas Willard that says, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. You want to be, a, you want to be spiritually mature? You want to follow Jesus? You want to get all that God has for you? You've got to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. This is what he would write. 
It's been a challenge in my own life. And we learned about this as a, as a church family. That hurry is a hindrance to the kingdom of God and experiencing the kingdom of God. And contentment is the key to eliminating hurry. We learned to, that Sabbath is a, is a weekly rhythm that God gives us to cease activity in order that we can experience deep rest and this deep peace. We also need to plan days of solitude. We need to have times of solitude because it's in those times of solitude with God that we can eliminate the noise of life so we can be present with God, we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we can discern His direction and His will for our lives. But we've got to eliminate hurry to do this. And that leads us to simplify our lives and slow down in our life. And we identify how we need to do this by learning who we're saying yes to. Because when you learn to say yes to Jesus, you're going to learn to say no to all the things that become the distractions around you. And then, then that place, when we're in this place that we've eliminated hurry, we're in a place now to experience the unshakable kingdom of God. And we, in that series that, that we talked about receiving God, and we breathe God in, we live God out. And those were the rhythms we learned in that Waste the Haste series. And when we take that into what the kingdom of God is, it's something we receive. We breathe in, we inhale the kingdom of God, and we exhale the kingdom of God. And we learn that we receive God's unshakable kingdom. We have, we have to receive his unshakable kingdom and we advance it. We also advance it. We breathe it out. We live it out. So we receive and we advance God's unshakable kingdom, his unshakable kingdom of God's righteousness, his peace, and his joy. We talked about how we receive these things and we leave these, live these out. See, you have received Christ's righteousness. And because you stand in Christ's righteousness, the righteousness of the kingdom, you've received it. You don't stand in your own rightness. You stand in his rightness. And when you realize that you stand in God's right, standing what Jesus has done, and you stand in Jesus Christ's rightness, righteousness, and you stand in it, <laughs> it's not what other people do about you, it's not what you, your past is, and you say, God, I stand here today in your righteousness, and every day you receive that, then that is the power. And that'll give you the power and the boldness you need to live rightly and do what is just. And when you realize that you can stand in God's peace, that you've, you've received God's peace, the peace of his unshakable kingdom, when you receive his peace, you can have God, the God of peace with you no matter what you face in life. And you'll be a peacemaker. You breathe this out. You make peace wherever you go. And then you receive God's joy. And in a world that's saying your joy is in everything else but Jesus, we see that scripture says your joy is when your identity is in Christ Jesus alone and you don't look for your identity in your wealth, your, your, your accomplishments. You don't look for your identity in anything else other than who you are in Christ. And our joy becomes complete as we live this out and we honor Jesus in everything we think, say, and do. And then from there, we went to the movies. We had a fun summer at the movies. We uh, learned that we go to this every year and it's something brilliant because the gospel of Jesus is in the stories around us and, and, and Jesus would use it. See, Jesus used culturally relevant stories to teach timeless kingdom truths to bring people to God. And so we looked at some movies. We looked at some movies that taught us some timeless kingdom truths so people could, could learn to trust in Jesus. And, and trust in Jesus for, for, for who, in who he is. 
and that trust in that, that he loves us and, and he paid the price to bring us into his family. We learned that some of these movies that talked about the training up the next generation and equipping the next generation um, to follow Jesus and, and advance the mission of God. And we looked at a movie that helped us identify that we have gifts and passions and that we're meant to impact the world with the good news, with the gifts and the passions that God has given us. And then we focused on our mission as a church. In this past July, we looked at four keystone behaviors that are evident in the book of Acts, evident to the first century church that we read about in Acts 2, and we saw how those behaviors are tied to our mission of loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, continuing to follow him and putting these keystone habits, these keystone practices into our everyday life and we practice these every day, as we practice this every day as as Christ followers, we will fulfill our purpose in life. You will fulfill your purpose in life as you're loving Jesus this way, becoming Jesus this way and sharing Jesus this way, that you will fulfill your God-given purpose and you will fulfill your part of being in God's family. Because that's what we are. We are together, God's family, on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus to build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around your family, by wrapping God's family around people at their point of pain. And we looked at these four keystone habits in this series of loving Jesus, and the reason we love Jesus, and the way we're going to love Jesus is we're loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another. That this is the motivation by which we gather. This is the motivation we not just gather here today. This is the motivation by, we get, by which we gather every time we get to gather. And so our motivation is to love Jesus. And the way we're going to love him is by gathering together to love one another. We're going to become like Jesus. We're going to open scripture and God's truth because we, it guides our beliefs and actions and we live and die by God's word. And it's guiding us and we're going to navigate the scripture to follow Jesus together. And it's, that's how we become like Jesus. And we're going to share Jesus. And there's two ways that we share Jesus. One, we pray with one another. This is why we've been praying with one another. And we're going to have a time that we pray together at the end of today's teaching. Because when we pray with one another, we share the power of Jesus. We share who Christ is with those that are hurting. And we're on mission together to bless. That it's not just about being here and gathered here. It's about going and being sent to. And we begin in prayer, God, where are you at work around us? And we send us to where you're at work. And we're going to listen to those around us. We're going to eat with them, engage in that relationship through the meal. We're going to leverage the meal to engage in making disciples. And we're going to serve them because we're going to wrap God's family around their point of pain. And we're going to share the story of the kingdom of God. And when we practice these every day, we will be a stronger church family. We want these behaviors in our daily rhythms and in our weekly corporate rhythms. And when we do this, we will experience the level, I believe, of God's power flowing through a community of people that is so mind-blowing and that will change the spiritual landscape of a city. We want to see micro versions of these in, in, in all, all around the world of people behaving like this because this is what the church is. This is what the church does. And, and we want to see uh, military families that as you come, you are living these four practices out everywhere you go once you leave Leavenworth and you go to your next station. For those of us that remain here and we, this is our community, we want to see communities of, of these people doing this at a micro level. We call this an A2 community. 
It's different than a life group. It's people that are embracing this mission every day that they live and they gather together. They navigate scripture. They share Jesus as they go. And if this is something that inspires you and and this is something that you would like to learn more and maybe God, you feel God stirring you to be a part of this and lead one of these. A2 communities, so you can be a part of this grand mission that God's doing. I just encourage you to talk with, talk with myself, Joe, or one of our staff. We'd love to connect you with more information about how you can lead one of these. And we're also passionate about the next generation. And we did a, a series this year that was a very meaningful series to our church family we called Daniel Generation. We looked at the stories of Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and as they were exiles in an immoral Babylon. And we learned this, that we must live a faith that stands out in a culture shutting God out. And if we're going to equip the next generation of faith, they must see this in us. We must model to them what we want to see in them. Parents, we got to be models that are living a faith out in a culture shutting God out. That it's the truth about what they learn is, 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 is going to be reinforced by how we live. In fact, how we live often trumps the truth we share with our kids. And we're going to be a people who live a faith that stands out. That lives a faith that is weird. Because as one guy famously said, normal's broke. And we want to be that type of people. And we learn to, to seek God's wisdom for the knowledge we've acquired. We've learned that through that series that we got to be a people to have a faith that stands out. We have to live a life that honors God above all else. This is our ultimate goal. We're going to honor Him above all else. And to raise up the next generation, we need to trust God no matter what, to be a Daniel generation. For us to be it, not just to raise it up, but for us to be the Daniel generation, we must live a faith that we trust God regardless of the outcome, regardless of the fiery furnace we face, and that we will be a generation who walks humbly and we walk in humility and it's represented in our commitment to prayer, dependent fully upon God. And we hold on to this hope because a hope that's in God's kingdom. Our hope isn't in any other government. Our hope is in the kingdom of God. And we will seek first God's kingdom by being faithful to God's word. That's the Daniel generation. That's the people God is calling his kingdom people to be. A people whose faith stands out in a world shutting God out. And people will take notice of that type of people. People will take notice of the joy that is inside of this type of a people. And you'll be able to give an answer for your hope. You'll be able to give an answer for the joy that you have because you have received an inheritance of joy. And through Christ, your life will leave a legacy that defies the ways of the world. You'll be able to rejoice in the Lord in all times as the book of Philippians says, and you will be able to humbly trust God, keep Him first in everything you think, say, and do. You'll be an example then to others of the joy as you stand firm in the truth of who Jesus is. And we can stand firm on Jesus because Christ is a solid rock. His truth is a solid rock that we can stand firm on Him. And when the world around and the circumstances are are shakeable, and they're shaking, and the world is being shaken, we can be unshakable standing on the truth of Jesus. 
And we're learning to build an unshakable faith by placing Jesus first in our lives. This is the journey we're on as a church family. And every, we believe your story, as every story can be, can, can be an unshakable story when you build your life on the solid rock of Jesus and build your life on his truth. And one of the truths that we looked at this year that we build our lives on, the solid rock, is God is generous. God is generous. And he has called you and I to excel in the grace of giving. You have everything you need to excel in the grace of giving. You have everything you need to be excellent in this. And we all need to share this unity in this desire. We all need to be unified in our desire to be generous. Because that's what God's kingdom people are. And we need to match that unity of desire with this discipline and the direction to go after the kingdom of God, pursuing the ways of the kingdom. And when we do this together, we will powerfully advance the kingdom of God. God will use us to do this. And God will give you and I a true joy. A true joy. As you put him first in your life and put him first in your family finances, you're going to discover a true joy as you are fully dependent upon him. And your lifestyle of giving will be a testimony of the gospel of Jesus, that it's all about Jesus. Your lifestyle of giving will be a testimony of God's faithfulness to you. And your lifestyle of giving will be a testimony of what the gospel means to you. And it will be the way that the mission of God and the gospel of Jesus advances and goes to those who are the lost, the less, and the least. Because we are compelled to share Jesus with others. We seek to wrap God's family around those who are hurting. We seek to wrap God's family around those who are at the point of pain and lead them to Jesus. That is our goal. We don't just want to meet their need and help them and band-aid the wound. We want to lead people to know who Jesus is. We want to lead them to know him as their wonderful counselor. We want to lead them to know Jesus as the mighty God. See that Jesus points us to this faithful, everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And God calls us to know this. In fact, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so all people can call upon God and trust Him. Jesus came so all people can call upon God and trust in Him. This is why God wants you to be prepared in any circumstance. That's why we went through that series, He Shall Be Called, so you know that no matter who you're talking to, no matter what their circumstances, no matter how much pain they're in, you can lead them and pray with them. And you can lead them to see Jesus. You can lead them to see God as a wonderful counselor whose wisdom is wiser than anything else. It's so wonderful. He's a mighty God. That in their weakness, he can, be the, he can be their strength. When they're weak, he, weak he, he will be strong. He'll be an everlasting father who's faithful. He's a faithful father who never fails. And he's a prince of peace. That in our brokenness, God through Christ comes so we can experience wholeness. That no matter what you're going through, you can be made whole in mind. You can be made whole even though your body is broken. And you can be made whole even in your spiritually, those who are broken. Because he came to restore us back to God. 
See, Jesus is God's solution. And our world is broken. You and I are broken. And we can call upon God because Jesus came to reveal himself to us. And if only we would see Jesus the way that God wants us to see Jesus. Because those who behold Christ, those who behold Jesus Christ will never be the same again. But we get too busy, don't we? And we allow ourselves to become distracted that we don't see Christ. <laughs> we, we, get, we get this, and, we, and we, get, we, we get so hurried in our life that we can't see the rhythms of life that lead us into the kingdom life that God wants us. See, those who behold Christ will never be the same again. They'll be emotionally healthier. Those who behold Christ become spiritually mature. Those who behold Christ experience the kingdom of God. They receive Christ's righteousness and they extend. They receive Christ's peace and they're peacemakers and they receive Christ's joy. And those who behold Christ, they excel in the grace of giving. They, they're never the same again. And they live differently and they, they live generously and those who behold Christ, who see him as he truly is, will call upon God. And they'll have the confidence to pray with anyone in any situation because they know that God is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and the prince of peace who wants to heal the brokenness that people experience. This is the kind of church God is calling you and I to be. This is the kind of community we are to be every day of the week as we leave the walls of this church. This is the kind of community he's been preparing us for for 2024. This is the kind of community you're going to need when you face your uncertainty. And you need to be the type, this community for the person that has no clue what they need right now. See, those who behold Jesus will be God's family on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus to build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around those who are hurting. And God's truth that we've learned will lead us into the, in the days to come. God has led us as a church, and he's led you as a, a, a Christ follower into this, these truths to give you and I the wisdom we need. Because there's going to be situations you're going to face. And what we've learned, it's going to prepare us. And who knows? We don't know. It's the Lord's plan. It will prevail. The question is, will we surrender? Or Because this is what I'm certain of. The future is uncertain. But I'm certain that His plan will prevail. And He has quit, equipped us. And we can hold on to the unshakable truth of Jesus and build our lives on the foundation of that, of who he is. And that is rock solid. The Apostle Paul, whose life I can't even compare myself to, none of us could. He says something, and I want to read what he says at the end of Philippians. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And this is the reason. It wasn't to elevate Paul. Because Paul knew something. 
If you put into practice what you've learned, the God of peace will be with you. Be confident that when you put into practice the truth that God has taught you, no matter what you face, God's peace will be with you. And so today there's some questions that um, we put into your notes. I want to just refer to them right now. The first one is this, is what happened in 2023? 2023, you wascally <laughs> What happened in 2023 in your life that you need to be mindful of and you need to be grateful for in 2024? You can't forget what God did and his faithfulness to you. What do you need to reflect on? Or this one, question right here. What, are, what three lessons did you learn this past year that you must not forget next year? Maybe it's something you marked down in your notes and you need to identify this. Okay? Maybe it's something that you need to... You know what? I need to remember this next year. This is something that the Holy Spirit just maybe nudged me today and, man, I just need to do this. What are those? Write those down. And then this one, what do you need to let go of? What hurts, habits, items do you need to let go of? Because they're distracting you from putting Jesus first in your life and keeping him first in your life.